I don't want to be perfect yeah. in anything I do. I kind of want to create imperfect, perfect art in quotes, you know. So I want to have that element of rawness or imperfection in there, which kind of allows me to put out things, you know, and be okay with them because I have made that decision that it doesn't need to be perfect. Hi, welcome to the Grace and Joy podcast. This is the second episode in a series on creative change makers, where I have conversations with people who I find really inspiring and who are doing amazing work in creative fields, working with others and inspiring them. And today I'm in conversation with Anya Kirsten, who is a filmmaker, a performer, she's a writer, an artist, and she inspires people to bring the magic back into their lives. She has a wealth of offerings and you can find out about her projects and all that she's doing on her website and on social media. And I will, of course, put links to these in the show notes underneath the podcast when you have a look online. Um, She's also a sensitive dreamer, an improvising performer and a quirky writer of wonderful stories full of mystery and magic on her Dreamy Cappuccinos podcast series. So I was so thrilled to have this conversation with Anya today. And we covered so many interesting topics. Anya spoke on creativity, the imagination, finding the extraordinary in the ordinary, um, on being a highly sensitive dreamer and cultivating curiosity and also trusting ourselves and remaining authentic. Um, Also, about not having to be perfect, you know, and about having this rawness to to what we do and the beauty in that. Uh, and I can't forget, I have to mention, we also spoke about Alphonse the Wood Pigeon. He flew in right at the beginning and he came back at the end. <laughs> and you can find out more about Alphonse in Anya's blog posts on her website and also on the Facebook page. Alphonse isn't actually a dreamy cappuccino story at the moment but hopefully he might be in the future so enjoy this wonderful episode with Anya Kirsten hi Anya it's lovely to chat with you hi Rowena lovely to chat with you too yeah it's great to have a conversation and we met a while ago in a group for a class that we were taking together and I think what struck me initially especially was a particular post that you shared with the group and I thought oh here's someone who's perhaps on my wavelength a little bit and it was about a wood pigeon that you'd met and encountered in the park Um, and I won't say too much about it now because anyone who's listening can go and find out about Alphonse, the wood pigeon, um, who's 
aka Woody and he has a, a really interesting backstory as well and that's just one of the tales that Anya writes about in her dreamy cappuccino stories and musings on her podcast but the main thing I wanted to start with was your website which has lots of information about your podcast and all your other really wonderful and creative offerings all the projects that you do the performance work the artwork your creative coaching as well and I read that you have a degree in social work and I hadn't realised that before I started reading your website. And I just wondered if there's a thread that kind of binds all of these together. Yes, it's a really interesting question because I think, so I'm one of those people who did not go the direct route. You know, there are those people that they know exactly what they want to do and I wasn't one of them. But I think the two main areas that always were interesting to me was art, especially, you know, writing and theater. But I also had a huge interest in psychology and, and education. And I think when I was younger, I was really torn between in which direction to go. And so I happened to end up doing social work. But even within that, there was a lot of, you know, theater and culture and after that then I did a, another training in theater and education and then I did an acting training and I feel like that somehow you know how I view the world I guess and how how I write and all of those things you know that everything I've done before feeds into what I'm doing now, maybe an understanding of our humanness, which sounds funny because I'm talking, you know, I'm writing so often about animals, but they're like metaphors, you know. And so I, I don't know whether I can put my finger on it and say, this is what the thread is, but I definitely can see that the one is benefiting the other, you know. I mean, my background in social work definitely is helpful for, for the coaching. I did a coaching training as well. And so, so it's a little bit of back and forth, I would say. You know, you take a little bit from this and you take a little bit from that. I'm a huge fan of Brandy Brown, whom I didn't know when I studied. You know, she wasn't an item yet, which, you know, I think, but she is coming from social work. And there's so much which can be gained from her work. Yeah, and these close studies on, on shame and, and all sorts yes. of human emotions and, and yes. experiences. Mm -hmm. and, and I got the, the feeling as well, reading and listening to some of your stories of, of the greater depth to them, and as you mentioned, the metaphor. Um, and a lot of it seems on the surface quite... Um, funny and quirky and the absurd and quite surreal but underneath that there's a depth there definitely is and these animals can be archetypes or or kind of personality types that are, that perhaps come from very studied social behavior as well and, and the house that uh you shouldn't hoover too much because it's very yeah it has a, a sensitivity <laughs> 
and that wants to go and live in California, wasn't it? I think in the sunshine. There were two different ones. Yeah, one that was hoovered all the time and, and the nervous system might be breaking down. And the other one was the one bedroom flat in Cornwall that wanted to live in uh, uh, California and had a narcissistic um, father in quotes or boss. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I think it's exactly what you said. I think like my stories work on different levels. You know, you can't just take them as entertainment and as fun mm -hmm. or you go deeper. It's, it depends on, I guess, who you are. Yeah. And so they, they appeal to all ages and all types of listener because young people as well will, will appreciate all those subtleties and depths as well. And You don't specifically write for a particular audience, do you? What no. You I mean, I have heard often that, that people think that a lot of my stories would appeal to children as well. But I, in all my creations, I always just create from my instinct or intuition or I just have an idea and I <laughs> never think of the audience. You know, I don't think this is the people I'm creating this for. I I don't operate this way when it comes to my creativity. And so what does spark your ideas? Do they just suddenly happen or, or it's something you see outside or that then takes you on a journey? What, what is it? So it's a combination. So those stories that are up on my podcast, you know, they were written in Cornwall where you are living. Mm -hmm. And at the time what happened, I was, um, I had done a, an imp I love improvisation and I've done it mm -hmm. always, but there was this course on solo improvisation, which I hadn't done before, where you go with nothing on stage and you invent on the spot. So I'd done that course. And so I committed to practicing. I had a beautiful garden where I lived every morning in the garden and I would just improvise. So some of those stories actually came out of my improvisations and then I would write them down immediately, you know, and then uh, work on them. So, so some of them happened this way. And then with other things, with the house and the hoover, I was sitting outside and someone in another house was hoovering like, for a nearly endless time, you know. And so my mind starts immediately to go into these um, ideas, you know, or I have like, so, so it can be triggers like this, you know, conversations with people or my aunt, she sends the most funny texts because she doesn't check them again. And the autocorrect sometimes does funny things, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. yeah. And so, so she had bought this little dwarf, you know, garden dwarf to put into the garden And she had sent a picture and she had, uh, but she had underneath, she said that this was a first draft of a little law. <laughs> oh. And I, I found it so funny. So in my mind, this is how my mind works. So mm -hmm. I thought, okay, so there is this little dwarf disguised. It's actually the, the first draft of a law, <laughs> you know? And so then I, I decided that, It's based in Germany, so that everybody has to, um, every citizen has to put in a draft of a law. <laughs> And then it's decided whether it's going to be put into action or not, depending on whether it's 
worthwhile. And so this whole, this is how my mind somehow works, comes up with these weird ideas. So it can be little triggers like this. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And it keeps it very fresh and the improvisation elements, you know, coming from a blank space or perhaps just a, just one trigger. There's something so new and fresh and um, unrehearsed, well, unrehearsed about it. And that links very much with intuitive painting as well, I found. Yes. can start in, in very similar ways, in a visual sense, and also a movement sense of the body and with dance. Or, and I noticed also on your website, because you um, are an artist and you sketch and you doodle and paint, and uh, there was one bit that I read, guess what, I'm feeling stuck. That's why I started a two-minute doodle series called 50 Shades of Stuck. I love that you did that out of, okay, I'm stuck, what should I do? Here comes a, a, a project. <laughs> yeah. And that momentum that grows from that. That's What was that's the 50 true, Shades yeah. of Stuck? Yeah. What it was, uh, it, it was little... Uh, I was, I think for every day I was doing a little drawing and, um, and putting a, a little sentence underneath it. So different variations of being stuck. Yeah. In a sense. It, and, and it has that combination of, again, I think I, I find that really interesting, you know, uh, darkness and humor. You yeah. know, it has like the drawings are humorous, but they mm -hmm. partly also have some darkness. Yeah. In yeah. them. Were you interested in fairy tales and folklore when you were younger? I love fairy tales. And, and funnily enough, so I had a, a, I loved my grandma. And actually the story of the second series is about my grandma. And we, um, so the first five years of my life, we were living in my grandparents' house. And my grandma also loved fairy tales, you know, and they were from Eastern Germany. And when you were watching Eastern German television, for example, they were really, really good. Eastern Germany and Poland and all those countries, they were so great at fairy tales, you know, movies, fairy tale films. And we used to watch a lot of them, you know, love uh, reading fairy tales or any fantasy books. <laughs> Yeah, and that dark kind of psychological edge and the, the depth to the fairy tales as well that could take you on a... Yeah, it can be very dark. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Anya, you describe yourself as a sensitive dreamer. And I was wondering, do you, would you say that you're an HSP, highly sensitive? happy sensitive and perhaps an empath and whether this means a lot to you and perhaps how it's influenced the work that you do or how you take on new projects or just how, how you are in life has it affected you and also when did you know have you always known since you were little so I um, definitely think I'm highly sensitive and an empath and I did not know for a long time. And I think when I was living in Cornwall, which maybe is five years ago, I encountered the book. I've forgotten her name now, but it's about highly Elena. sensitive. Yeah. yeah. And, and 
that book and I thought, oh, I would have loved to know earlier because some of the, I think some of the challenges, let's put it that way, you know, feeling different or even as a teenager, I wasn't like I would go out dancing, but I wouldn't do it as excessively as the others, you know, and even as a teenager, I didn't kind of have the energy to stay out till five in the morning or if I did, I would be completely done in and so uh, I think uh, I I didn't understand why certain things were so exhausting or tiring to me you know mm-hmm. and and you, you I think there's the danger that you think there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. because you don't understand that that you uh, literally wire dif- differently you know and that you maybe take in information and detail more deeply than other people, which is obviously, as you know, as an artist or as a creative, it's a great gift because you might notice things that other people don't notice. You know, wood pigeons that appear, <laughs> you know, that other people might just ignore. Yeah. You know, and don't see anything in it. And so I think that there's um, a great gain from it but because we live in a society, as, at least in the West, where this is not really or has not been really something that was appreciated, those kind of people, you know, you, uh, I think the, the great danger is that you think there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so for me, it was a great relief to, to have found that book and to understand that a little bit more. Yeah, and I found to start to meet others who recognize these traits in themselves as well. It's, yes. That can be a wonderful kind of friendship and a oh, relief. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's one of the wonders of the internet, I think, as well. Because it is. Like, oh, really yeah, is. I totally agree with you, yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I know that um, you went to Rudolf Steiner School. I and, did, yes. And so that would have really help to foster your creativity and your sense of independent expression in the world and being able to um, follow what, what you enjoy doing? Is that how you experienced it? So for me, I think that was really a blessing because so for the first four years, I was in a normal school and uh, my mom already had tried to get me into the Steiner school earlier but it was very popular and it wasn't easy to get your child in it unless you had been in it previously or some siblings but I don't have any siblings and so I was in the in the state school and I was a very dreamy child and and I wouldn't listen to what the teacher said and so my, you know, in, in Germany, after four years, it's decided whether you can go on to a higher school or not. And so marks, especially in maths, were horrible. And that was for me, for my mom, that was that time where she put in that effort again and said, I have to try again and see whether I can get Anya into that school. And she managed, you know, my mom can be very insistent once she's got that idea and and thanks to that I, I got in there and I remember that I found it more interesting you know they uh, they were talking about the four temperaments the uh, uh, melancholy and choleric those things you know and we had to 
invent stories about what happened if four people with those four different temperaments were going on a on a hike up the mountain and you know and I love that and the same thing was uh, that um, I was introduced to theater you know we were I think it was uh, Parseval and I got to uh, play the lion <laughs> with the mane and I had to protect the flower, I remember. And so for me, I think I, I sometimes wonder, would I have found my love, you know, for stories and story inventing and storytelling and theater and acting that early if it wouldn't have been for that school? So I am really grateful that my mom put me there because I think I would have like not fared very well in that normal system. Yeah, yeah. What projects are you actually working on at the moment? And uh, do you have a kind of vision for the future or how you would like to see your, your work develop and flourish? And what's happening in your life at the moment and what's your future? Do you think of the future much or do you see how things unfold a day at a time? I would say I have a vague vision and idea where I want to uh, uh, walk towards to mm -hmm. but I'm not like those people who or it never worked for me that plan out you know the next five years and <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the, the the popular five-year plan but I um so at the moment I'm redesigning my website I'm I want to you know because that website is quite old and uh, so I'm gonna change things up and I've got somebody who's helping me that's kind of like my main focus I would love to do a, a dreamy cappuccino life you know where people can actually where it's kind of like you know tea drinkers are welcome to but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you kind of have online virtually your cappuccino together and you share stories That's the idea. And I had the idea that the Alphonse story that I would might on the first one might share the invented one, which I haven't written down yet, but I might either improvise it on the spot or if I have written down it until then, then share that as a beginning. So, yes, I would like to create more of a community of people who feel different you know, and, uh, uh, or the so-called weirdos who can come together in their weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> That's always good. Yeah. But yes. So, so those are the things. And I think also in the future, I love collaborating with other people, you know, and, um, and have whatever comes out of it, you know, whether it's a film project or something. And, I, I want to be independent of the place where I live. I, I, I realize that, you know, and that's what's so great about our time, isn't it? That you can do so many things online mm -hmm. and you could be traveling, I mean, in the future when things get easier again, yeah. to do a project for a couple of weeks and then come back. But I have kind of given up on trying to create something in the place where I live. Um, 
because it seems that the choices of finding the like-minded people are very rare and thin. And so at the moment, Anya, you're in Galway, you're just outside. Yes. Yes. Um, and you, have you travelled a lot then in your life? Have you been on lots of travels and lived in many different countries? I know you've been to Cornwall. You've spent a couple of years? No, one seven year. years. I, uh, seven, seven years. years. I, I left uh, Germany in 2010. And I spent seven years in Cornwall and then I came to Ireland. So I definitely have moved a lot, even within Germany. And I did my acting training in London at the time. So I was for, for on and off for two years in London and then back in Germany. I, I, I can't count how many times I have moved, to be honest. But um, in terms of countries, I so, so I've lived obviously in Germany and in England and now in Ireland and Yes, I have traveled. Um, I was in Canada last year, uh, which was brilliant. I would love to go again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Niagara Falls, that area in Montreal. And, but I haven't like done excessive traveling, you know. I mean, I've traveled a fair bit in Europe and stuff like this, but I haven't been to Australia or New Zealand. I would love to go to New Zealand one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Are you... I was wondering because with with Ireland and with with Cornwall, and I know you've made some films in Cornwall um, around the the stones, the ancient sites, and yeah. so perhaps you're drawn to these mystical places, or I guess Absolutely. any place. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, that, that it's funny. I think the Germans, as such, for some reason, have a, a real. I don't know, are drawn to the places where the Celts have been because there's a lot of Germans coming to Cornwall and there's a lot of Germans who have a big love for Ireland. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I went to Ireland after I had done my A-levels and I went and I kept on coming back because I was so much in love with the country. And mm-hmm. I think also the idea that things seemed more relaxed and more laid back compared yeah. to Germany, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I definitely, there's definitely something in the landscape, you know, and the, like you said, something mystical and wild, maybe even. Yeah, and the imagination can really soar and I think be free in some of these places. Uh, and it's about the, the magic that's kind of inherent in the landscape as well, which yeah. perhaps ties into your your website is for a magic world isn't it yeah. to to inspire um people back to the magic that exists in, in their own lives and with your creative coaching are you currently offering one-to-one creative coaching Anya? i am funnily enough doing one with the woman who's helping me with uh with the website but um i kind of will change the coaching offering more into that people can just choose to have one session instead of having to go for a package and I probably also won't necessarily call it creative coaching anymore because through our course we did together I realized that the main thing is really I guess finding your own expression and you know in standing in your own uniqueness so I wanted to open it up again yeah and, and, I, yeah 
I think it sounds quite exciting. I can just imagine how you would meet people where they are, but using all of the skills and all the experience and the, the drama, the storytelling, the improvisation, and perhaps more, I can't imagine you doing traditional coaching, whatever that kind of is, but, you know, but drawing on the strengths and the personal authenticity as well of, of, of anyone that you work with. I, I just imagine it could be quite sparky. <laughs> it could be quite... Um, yeah, a, a really alternative way of really coming alive again and, and, and connecting with that. I think I, I kind of, I, I mean, maybe in some ways it is traditional, but in others it isn't. And people kind mm. of say, I cut through the crap, you know, like I can see quite clearly with other people, not with myself so much more. Oh, I know. <laughs> not with myself so much, but with other people, I can very much see when mm. they go into, into what they think they should be doing versus you know who they are yeah yeah um I was wondering as well what what piece of kind of loving advice or comfort might you give to your younger self were, were you a happy younger self <laughs> and 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 what what piece of advice could you give I know it's quite a cliched question, but if you were going to reassure her or, or be loving towards her now, what might you say? And not just to your younger self, but perhaps then to other younger females. So I would tell myself that most of the things I think are my younger self, that maybe 80% of the things I felt were my fault, weren't. Mm -hmm. So that most of the things I kind of felt guilty for were actually not my fault and that, that there wasn't anything wrong with me and that it was okay to be the way I am. So I would tell young women to really look closely at the messages they get from others and instead of doubting themselves immediately which I I went down that road is kind of uh, look at the messages and doubt the messages and see whether they are true or not yeah yeah that's that's great advice and 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 what about yeah so that kind of links into the next part so if if women of all ages are unsure of their talents or their passions um, and their joys, how would you kind of help them to, to become more aware of and, and to have the confidence to be able to express these things? Because that's such a hard thing, perhaps. It is a hard thing. I think and maybe I was lucky that I kind of grew up in a creative household. My mom was an artist, so I was always, and as I told you, I went to that school. So in some ways, maybe it has been fostered. Mm -hmm. And but, but I did do many detours, and I found it really hard to decide on, on what, what I want to do because I felt like I didn't fit into the traditional theater for example I didn't fit into anything traditional and 
I didn't realize at the time that I could create my own, you know, and that I could do things differently and that they didn't have to be a certain way. And I think now we are at that point where people realize that we, you know, we are more independent of those institutions. We can have our own podcasts. We can connect much more directly to an audience, mm -hmm. which kind of makes it actually easier to have the courage to do things differently. Yeah. And even starting out just a little bit by ourselves and just kind of with tiptoes, just, just for ourselves and not really for anyone else. And then how that builds a kind of momentum that really helps to create confidence. I, I, I found for me. It's, it's in the doing I find. And mm -hmm. I think what always has helped me is that I have, I don't want to be perfect. Yeah. In anything I do, I kind of want to create imperfect, perfect art in quotes, you know. So I want to have that element of rawness or imperfection in there, which kind of allows me to put out things, you know, and be okay with them because I have made that decision that it doesn't need to be perfect. So I think that's when it comes to looking into your passions and stuff, perfectionism can be a huge block because yeah. you never, never do anything. You know, it's never good enough. And there's a huge difference between, in my opinion, between wanting to show up and doing your best and for it, you know, needing it to be right or perfect. There's a huge difference in, in this. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think it, it, it's important and, and, and you, you need to cultivate your curiosity. I think curiosity goes a long way, you know. It, yeah. it, it being curious about what you are curious about in a sense, you know. And then the more you follow those curiosities, the more other little curiosities yes. come up. Yes, whilst you're yes. doing it. And I think that can, it's, it's, that can never happen if you if you don't start, you know, if, if there's this, it's like painting as well, again, this tyranny of the blank page or writing as well, you know, oh, I daren't make a mark in, in any way, you know, because it's not finished, perfect, done, amazing first time. It's, it's having that, it's letting go of that and just being much, having an easier relationship with that and being more self-loving, I found as well can help. Do you yeah. have, um, just one final question, Anya, do you have a, um, a daily kind of spiritual practice or something that you do each day, if it's not too personal to us? No, no, it's okay. I, I usually um, meditate every day and I have been doing that for nearly two years. I do miss, I now, nowadays, the past couple of months, I do miss a day once in a while, but usually... I do meditate every day. So that really helps me. And I also, one thing I have carried, you know, the artist's way, the book. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yes, exactly. And that must be, oh my God, that must be over 10 years ago now that I read it. But the one thing I carried over are the morning pages which I don't necessarily do in the morning anymore. And I don't necessarily do them like strictly every day but 
but nearly every day. And so I have been doing that in the past, basically in the past 10 years. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Because that kind of helps to build the muscle for doing it more, doesn't it, I guess? It, it sometimes just clears the mind or sometimes helps me to decide what I want to do that day and sometimes come ideas. And another thing I also have started doing is that I, when an idea comes in, I, I note it down immediately. So I don't necessarily go immediately, oh, I have to do this, but I note it down. Yeah, yeah. Because it can go, it can just go, can't it, very quickly if you don't do that. I, I it can. Yeah. Oh, it really can dissolve. And then you, you're kind of searching for it and you can't remember <laughs> what it was. Oh, you keep on thinking idea. so much about it, you know, and you can't let it go. But when I write it down, I know, well, if it's interesting enough, I, I'll come back to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if it isn't, then maybe I look at it later again. I think now I find it interesting or I let go of it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it can turn up a little bit further down the road in combination with something else. And then it's ready to be expressed. Yeah. I yeah. found that. Yeah. And so, Anya, have you, you go on walks quite often and I know you, I you do, yeah. post your, your wonderful videos. I was just wondering, have you seen, Woody or Alphonse again in the last week? <laughs> I, you know, it's really funny because so I encountered uh, that wood pigeon when I was, maybe it's a couple of months ago now, when I was sitting on a bench and that pigeon just flew right next to my shoulder and I got startled and then I, you know, got up and then the pigeon went and uh, sat on my foot. <laughs> it was just <laughs> yeah. so bizarre. You know, that's how that all happened. And then I found out more about Woody is his real name, but I named him Alphonse. And um, I have come back to that place uh, quite a few times and sat exactly on the same place, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and he never he never came back. Oh, yeah. He, Not yet. Uh, it's maybe yeah. that thing when you expect, you know, that because that was kind of out of the blue. I didn't expected i kind of was a little startled because i thought what's you know because usually pigeons don't come that close and uh and don't sit on your uh, foot <laughs> stuff like this it was really funny but i think that that was so unexpected but the moment i kind of wanted to meet him it didn't happen anymore when you've forgotten a little bit who knows maybe he'll turn up again it's funny because he's become so close to me now as well I've read a little bit about him and you've done the um the conversation with him when he was uh speaking to you in whip pigeon language and there's something about it's really stuck with me you know and I he's become part of I, I feel so fondly for him. <laughs> There's some um, Alphonse, Woody. Yeah, it's just Isn't really funny. Happy, isn't it? It's just how mm. we view things, you know. And I, I, I think yeah. we, what I often feel is we have actually, if we want to, we have numerous opportunities to see something extraordinary in the ordinary. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it absolutely. How, how you, I often now actually also leave my 
mobile phone at home and go for a walk because I just am a little bit more aware, you know, and yeah. it's, it's just how you see things and how you view things. And of course, you know, I could have just dismissed that little incident and had with that wood pigeon and could have forgotten about it. Or this is maybe an example for curiosity or get curious. You know, I asked the next um, dog walker whether they knew that pigeon and they immediately told me that that pigeon was showing up a lot and sitting on people's heads and shoulders and um, then in my then I gave him the name Alphonse. Then I started to imagine what his story could be, or you know, and 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 so it's an opportunity, but but you have to take it if you want to, of course. It's yes. an opportunity to to feel into a possible new story. And funnily enough. When I then, you know, because there's a bird sanctuary and one day I, I walked by and I got to talk to the guy who's looking after the birds and I, I asked him about that wood pigeon and that's when I got all the information. You can, I think it was my last blog post. You can actually read on my blog post mm -hmm. about him. And I thought it's interesting because I found that his story is actually quite dramatic. You know, like he's like a survivor. Yeah. that wood pigeon you know and when I did that little thing that little video where I was improvising with wood pigeon language <laughs> you know nonsense language basically it was quite dramatic you know and I thought wow that somehow ties actually in in some ways to what I've been told afterwards I you know I didn't know about this when I had done the that little wood pigeon uh, language thing. <laughs> That's what a beautiful gift and, and, and what a beautiful message from Alphonse or Woody though. I think when we listen and we are attuned in those subtle ways and we do follow our curiosities, what a beautiful gift that unfolds. And you speaking to the guy who works in the sanctuary and finding out more and he's this, yeah, this resilient, amazing plucky wood pigeon and all the things that he's had to experience in his life <laughs> it's exactly and his amazing. you know short young life in a sense and i i, I think so the yeah. opportunities are out there yeah. i think you know and if you want to go if you want to train your imagination more you kind of i think for me the huge difference is do you see the things just as they are Or do you look behind things? Do you look behind what's visible? Do you yeah. go a step further? The apparent surface of things or the, the woven depths behind them. Yeah. Oh, well, I think that's a beautiful place to end, Anya. So um, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been wonderful to have a conversation with you. And hopefully I'll see you soon online and chat again. Um, and I'll see you on Facebook and social media and in other places. And, and I just want to say good luck with all the things that you're doing and with your website. Yeah, good luck with uh, your website. <laughs> thank and you so much. And it was a pleasure. And thank you for having me. That's wonderful. Bye, Anya. Bye, Rubina. Bye.